Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. There is going to be three of us. It's not two of us right now. Phil will be on with us in just a moment. I, of course, am your world traveler, Mark Williams, who is just in Chicago for the Rangers-Blackhawks game. Stay tuned for another Mark on the Road coming hopefully this weekend. And I'm joined by uh, a man who is going to be watching Carlos Correa finish his contract when his daughter finishes high school, Mr. Anthony LaRocco. Yeah, so uh, Mark, speaking of uh, Chicago, um, did you have any deep dish pizza when you were there? You try it out? Authentic yeah, style? Yeah, actually, uh, you know, the pizza I got at the one place, uh, they were like, oh, it's Chicago pizza. Ended up being thin crust. So mm. I need to go, I need to go back Chicago. I need to go and I need to get more just actual deep dish pizza. I didn't get the authentic yeah. deep dish. So Anthony, I'm a little bit disappointed in myself as much as, as much as everyone else is, but uh, we're going to also change around the ticker. We're going to give you a little bit of an outline on the show. Uh, there was a lot of news that was made in New York today and other sports. We're going to, we're going to talk about maybe that later, but we're going to start since we're waiting, uh, since we're waiting for Phil to join us anyway, we're going to start with the New York Islanders this week, Anthony. They went, well, since our last broadcast and in our road trip, their four-game road trip, they went 1-1-2. and two. Since our last broadcast, they were 1-1-1. One, one, and one. A win over Vegas, a loss to Arizona, and a shootout loss to Colorado. Now, they're 3-5-2 and two in their last 10. And they're going to finish this rough schedule with at the Rangers on Thursday and then uh, versus Florida to close out uh, the Christmas break. Are you encouraged or discouraged by the last three games? Um, I mean, maybe maybe a little bit of both. Obviously, the game, the, the loss against Arizona um, was bad. You know, they had a 2 nothing lead and they lost to Arizona. So it wasn't their most finest game. Um, you know, then again, a team like Boston lost to Arizona early in the year. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, things things happen. But if you look on the flip side of it, they they beat a good Golden Knights team um rather convincingly and then you know they lost a, a crapshoot to the avalanche you know it was, you're talking a zero zero hockey game through ot so um you know that's you that's three out of four points against some against some good teams um but you know in it's funny years years past the islanders you know kind of beat the teams they were supposed to and then lost to maybe some of the better teams above them um this year it seems to be uh, the opposite of that it seems like they, you know, they lose to some lesser teams sometimes. Arizona twice, they lost to Philly once, um, you know, and they beat they beat good teams. You know, New Jersey, they beat Carolina early in the year. Uh, so lost to Arizona again. They got swept yeah. by Arizona. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, so you know, it, like I said, it's 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 a little bit of both. But um, I was encouraged how they played against. Vegas and then uh you know a game against Colorado they were on their heels the majority of the time but um you know they were they were essentially backed up Ilya Sorokin when things did break down you know he he was on a little bit of a slump you know he had a five five game losing streak um you know and for him you know he's used to dominating everywhere he plays so um I'm I'm sure that weighed on him a little bit uh, I sent you that that screenshot of uh the message that Corey Schneider delivered to him before before the game and having a veteran like that um, you know, kind of, kind of soothe him, I think helped. Um, and he busted out of his slump in a big way. I mean, a 46 save shutout. It's funny enough. He still gets credited with the loss, which is, <laughs> yeah. which is pretty funny. 
Um, you get a sh- you get a shutout and a loss. Yeah, but he he was he was outstanding during that game. Um, and you know, with Semyon Varlamov uh, out right now, day to day, it's going to be Sorokin carrying the workload. So uh, he found the the perfect timing to hopefully break out of this slump. Um, you know, and the one thing that kind of speaks volumes about it, Mark, is despite you know his little slump that he was in, um, he's still fifth in the league in, in save percentage with been shouting different shouting distance of you know second only by mm-hmm. a few points. So. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be his net now. I mean, Varlamov has been, has been really good when he's been called upon, but like I said, right now he's out. Um, and I suspect Ilya Sorokin to play the back to back against the Rangers and the Panthers. Um, I don't think the Islanders have really any intention on actually using Corey Schneider, unless it gets to a point where, you know, Varlamov is out weeks and they have to give Sorokin a rest. But, um, in the meantime, it's, you know, it's his net, uh, and, you know, as, as for the rest of the team, um, you know, again, they, they, they're missing Adam Pellick a lot. You know, Adam Pellick, uh, Mark, is, is their best defensive defenseman. Uh, we all talk about Noah Dobson and how, much, how many strides he's taken. He's fabulous. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's more of an offensive defenseman. But Pellick leads the charge defensively, plays so many important minutes, um, can skate with anybody in the league. And if you look, uh, before he got injured, uh, I think they were five and five and two in the prior seven games up until he got hurt. Since he got hurt, they're two, two and two. So, um, you know, shows without him in the lineup, there's there's a huge difference. But, um, you know, Brock Nelson's still leading the charge at a point per game. Um, you know, so they just right now uh, with the way the Metro is compacted so tightly, uh, they just need to get keep compiling points. Um, you know, and that's and that's not any different than. Then the Rangers, you know, the Rangers are only three points ahead of them. You know, we saw, you know, just a week or two ago, it's basically flip-flopped. So that could change in a heartbeat. So this Metro division, Mark, is what first first and sixth place is separated by eight points or six points. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, so I'll, I'll it's, give you that exact number. I believe it is six. It's eight. No. So the hurricane, yeah, the Sorry, hurricanes have 46 points and the Islanders and Capitals are 38. So um yeah, that that that's how close it is, and you know these games are going to be really important against the Rangers, especially. Uh, obviously, the game against Florida too, but more specifically tomorrow because it's an in division opponent. But um, you know, yeah, you know, overall kind of kind of mixed bag for the Islanders. But you know, the good thing is they're they're right there with anybody else. You know, in a couple of days from now, you know they could easily be third in the Metro, depending on how everything else shakes loose. So. Um, as long as, you know, uh, Sorokin's out of this slump, which, you know, by last game he is, I think they're going to be fine. You know, I just, I'm not sold on it exactly. I mean, Kyle Palmieri, uh, it, having an injury is going to be a hindrance because one yeah, good he, thing he about... Came, not to cut you off, but he, he, he missed a lot of games. He came back in that Arizona game, took a real big shot to the head again, and now he's, you know, he's out again. So... Um, you know, I don't know when he will be back, but yeah, go on. Because the hard part is you get guys from the AHL coming up and then (laughs) they're either paying strict attention to detail to make sure they got their defensive assignments or they're blowing them left and right. And fortunately for the Islanders, Sorokin has bailed them out more often than not. Just to quote this statistic that you said, uh, you sent to us, Sorokin, uh, has 13 career shutouts and 94 career starts. That is 13.8% of the time he's allowed zero goals. Wow. So most in, um, modern, uh, most in modern history. 
most in modern history. And actually, it's when you say modern history, modern history really should be the post-expansion era. This is going back to World War II. It's the most in modern history, minimum 90 starts since 1943 to 1944. The concern I would have right now is that there are lots of guys with the Islanders that are kind of slumping right now that need to pick it up. Obviously, Brock Nelson's not one of them. He's <clears> always doing well. But uh, he, they're going to need to do more. And the guy that is really the backbone of the team is he's – if. Sorokin's back to doing what Sorokin does. The Islanders could at least tread water. That's what they're doing. One, one, and one this week. Um, if you want to go back to last week, one, one, and two, uh, since we broadcast on Wednesdays. And then, you know, they have a proverbial four-point game coming up against the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Because if if the Rangers go out and and beat them then and opens up a little bit more space, they already have that three-point lead. And we talked about this when the Rangers were struggling and we were kind of freaking out a little bit over here uh, about, uh, and you were the calm voice. You were the calm voice. Uh, you were just saying, Hey, it's early. Don't worry. They can at least get things done. But you don't want to be too far behind. We're going to talk more about that with metropolitan playoff teams in our bar talk segment. But it's one of those things that it's, it, you don't want to get too far behind the eight ball and coming out of the break. Uh, they still have, I believe, it's the Pittsburgh Penguins that they have immediately that's coming up. Sorry, everybody. I had this information yeah, they got ready the, to go. They got the Rain- and- the Rangers on Thursday, the Panthers on on uh, Friday, and then they got the Penguins on Tuesday. Yeah, the Penguins Monday. and then Columbus. I think you gotta I think you gotta cash it. Well, you definitely gotta cash it on the Columbus game. That's an obvious one. And then the Red Wings right after that. And you know, Buffalo's got a guy that's playing really well too. So that's that's just another thing. And then the following week to get the Penguins right over, right up again. The good thing, this is where the Islanders can look back and also say, Anthony, it's a good thing they only get three or four games against divisional opponents this year. If it was like a lot more, the Metro, the, every Metropolitan team could be in serious trouble. Yeah. But, uh, Anthony, by the way, what are your thoughts on Kel McCarr waving off a tripping penalty against Matt Barzell? <laughs> yeah, um, that's uh... – that's the ultimate um, gentleman right there. Right. Uh, you know, Matt Barzell said that, you know, it was, it was obviously really honorable and he even admitted he, he's not so sure he would done, he would have done the same thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't believe that. I, I've never seen that before. Probably we won't see it again, but Cal uh, McCarr was, was real, was real honest with the ref. He's like, no, no, no. He's uh, <laughs> that, that was me. That wasn't Matt. Wow. Barzell. I don't know. You, you, you can't help but just marvel at that when you think about it, because that doesn't happen in today's sports, no matter what yeah. it is. And no, no matter no. what, it, what if there was on the line, like the yeah. game was on the line at the time. And a matter of fact, it could have been the only goal in the game. The Islanders power play has actually been pretty good over the last, well, yeah. it was doing really well until recently, but I mean, it's, that would have been huge. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, back to the, the the Islanders. The good thing is the Rangers always seem to bring out the good in them. Um, and yeah. you know, having playing the Rangers tomorrow, uh, you know, really all bets go out the window when those two teams play. You know, the Rangers are playing better hockey right now. But again, um, when they meet, uh, it's literally you know fifty fifty a, a coin toss. And you know, to me, um, interesting thing is, Mark, you know, it's been talked about in the prior what two meetings. Are we finally going to see the Igor versus Ilya matchup um, tomorrow? Um, and I think we are because Sorokin's definitely playing Varlamov out. And I, I would mm-hmm. assume Igor will play. However, 
if you look at Shesterkin's stats against the Rangers, he's 1-7-1 one, with an 8-84 save percentage and a 3-13 goals against average. So he does not perform well against the Islanders, so I wonder if that will maybe convince Gallant to start Halak um, and we once again get shafted out of an Igor Ilya matchup. But um, I, I think possible. we need to get that matchup going in this series, not just for the fans, but you also need it for the starting goaltenders. You don't want to get into a, a uh, Roger Clemens versus the Mets situation where it looks like he's ducking them, and then it takes like three or four years until he finally shows up, yeah. and then there's a weak there's a weak ball thrown behind his back. That was a different story, but it's um, it, it you know you you need to start getting these these goaltenders to face each other because in a playoff series you're not having Yaroslav Halak against. Uh, Ilya Sorokin or Igor Sesterkin against Simeon Verlamov. And there's that would narrative, uh, by the way, was always around Henrik Lundqvist and then the Montreal Canadiens for a while. Yeah. And then he beat him in two playoff series. Yeah. So, but uh, Islander fans, we want to know what more you're thinking about. And, uh, you know, how was this week? I mean, you're treading <clears throat> water. Is that all you need to do until after Christmas? Pick it up, get get the games going. Put it all down in the comments below. Everybody, don't forget to leave a like for us because that helps the YouTube algorithm and appease the YouTube gods. So we're still waiting for John to join us. He'll join us pretty much any minute. I, uh, I and if he's, I think he's referring to Soroka and Shesterkin playing against correct. each other. I'm pretty sure they have. I think it was think the, the St. Patrick's Day game. I think they have. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was St. Patrick's Day. That was about it. Yeah. Because... 2020 opening day, it was Sesterkin versus Verlamov. The next day was when they, no. they shelled Sorokin. Are you talking about Sor actually Sorokin's first ever game was against the Rangers? Right, but, but that was Georgia was in net for that. Oh yeah, and that's because and it was only because Varlamov got hurt in warmups. If you Correct. remember, and yeah. then uh, I think there were a couple games like that later. <clears throat> but again, he always faced Varlamov, so it's. It, by the way, there's also that that feeling of. Facing your countrymen and friend that happens all the time and really good friend. Yeah. So, but not just that, there's also that feeling with, with Simeon Verlamov. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Verlamov has been a slouch goaltender his entire career either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, what, he shut out, he shut out the Rangers four times at MSG. What was that last or three times last year? Yeah. Three times. I think it was, yeah. I think it was even four straight times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, but I think that spanned over two years. And, and that, and that's why he started when they played last at the garden, when the, when the Islanders came back because yeah. Valamov has such success at the garden. Yeah. And, and look, I'm, I'm tired of having Islander goaltenders with a lot of success at the garden. Cause the one of them that doesn't have much success at the garden uh, or had a lot of success in the garden, had no success in the garden recently, and Yaroslav Halak. So we could yeah. really get more of that. And you got perfect timing, Philk, because now we have joining us right now the man who finished second in voting for the Yankees captain, Mr. John Falkowski. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> All right. Well, because... If there's anything we need to turn to, we need to turn to our New York Rangers resident expert that's right over here, who also saw the Rangers beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Chicago Blackhawks this week, but they would lose to the Pittsburgh Penguins, ending their seven-game win streak in a 3-2 loss. Philk, during that win streak, the Rangers, 
50% on the power play. That was, that was best in the NHL. 88% in the PK, third in the NHL. Most in goals, four per game, and tied for third in goals against per game. They raised their goal differential from plus three to plus 18. What have we learned about the Rangers the last two weeks? Whatever issue that there was going on in the locker room, whatever schism there was, it seems like it's been ironed out. That's the biggest thing right now to me because the way that they're playing, the body language, the energy that you're getting, um, it's a completely different story from before that. Um, obviously, you're going to look back at the Truba helmet throw and say, you know what, hey, everything has changed. And you know, maybe that's the turning point in the season. Maybe that's what they needed. Maybe that's the proverbial kick in the ass. But um, they're playing with structure which I, I like. I like this comment. Um, it's not even just eventually responsible. There's just more of an effort to, to play defense as opposed to where they were um, a few weeks ago. And I, I think that's what Jacob Truba might have been getting at is that some players need to start giving it more in their own end. Like you're seeing Artemi Panarin back check more. He didn't have a great game last night. I think he needed to be a little better in that regard last night. But um uh, players are stepping up and they're making plays that they weren't making before defensively. And they're playing honest hockey that you have to play come playoff time to win games. And that's the biggest thing I've noticed in regard to that. Uh, Braden Schneider made two plays last night that would have stopped potential goals one early on. And then um, in the first few minutes of the game, if Ryan Lindgren th- uh, turnover, you know, he had a, he had a bad game last night, Ryan Lindgren. But he's been better as of late. Adam Fox has been playing better defensively. Keandre Miller looks more like Keandre Miller the second half of the last season in the playoffs as of late. I mean, the kids look great again. And, and now they're being relied more upon and they're getting more ice time. It's just a lot of things are going right with this team. Last night, I'm not going to get too mad at it because the Rangers were definitely screwed by the referees. Um, Pittsburgh had a lot of help last night. A lot of help. A lot mm-hmm. of missed balls in their favor. Um, I don't even want to hear anything from Penguins fans because they have nothing to complain about with the calls that they got away with last night. But um, the Rangers also hit three posts. Uh, that game should have been 4 nothing before Pittsburgh even scored a goal. So sometimes it just goes your way. Sometimes it doesn't. But I think overall they still played pretty well last night. Um, but this is a completely different team. Everything about this team, the way that they – the way that they're talking, the messages, the demeanor, um, they had more of like an, an ominous tone to like the way they were speaking in interviews previously. You don't you don't see that. Um, and now it, it just it seems like things are changing for the better. So, yeah. And the Rangers definitely do lead the league in post this year because Vinny Trocek is probably the league's leader. If they kept that stat. Yeah, they would. Definitely. Um, but yeah, the, the number one performance enhancing drug is confidence. And you're starting to hear that a little bit more with them. How Phil, we were talking two weeks ago that it seemed like Igor Sesterkin was starting to feel the pressure. It's that the kids weren't being used. I still don't like the usage on the kids. I still don't. The, there was under 14 minutes a game in many games in those streaks. You got to use them more. Got, got, you got to worry about Barkley Goudreau being down in the lineup, not on the first line. I know it's working right now. It's not going to work forever. 
Maybe they move Vitaly Kratsov up. But oh, they did last night for a bit. Yeah, and they, and they did. And then they moved them right back down again. He played well. Yeah. Vitaly Kratsov has looked a lot better, and I've been his biggest critic. I've been his his biggest critic. The question is, though, are, are do they, they 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 put themselves in a good position to make to make to at least make the playoffs now? Because if they went five and five in this stretch, they'd be down with Buffalo. So that's what you need to do. Sometimes you just need to pick up the points, and they picked up points against good teams. So we're going to see more about that in a little bit. Yeah, Anthony, what's your thoughts on the Rangers in the seven game winning streak? Ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. This that's that's what hockey's about. You know, they they were looking like a really struggling team with a lot of issues, and you know now they rattled off seven in a row. Um, they beat they beat some good teams. Uh, they also took care of business and beat teams they're supposed to beat. And you know, in the teams like uh, Philadelphia and Chicago, but Chicago, man, they are abysmal. Connor Bedard on the way, but um, you know that they they got the job done. They were on the schedule and they beat them. Um, they're playing with a lot more confidence. Uh, I think they, as they mentioned before, the commenter, they're playing with much more structure to their game, which helps a, a lot. Um, I think the kids are, are playing better, led by Philip Hedl. Um, They look pretty good. Um, and just things are clicking right now. You know, you, you saw it You saw it with the Devils, boys, early in the season. Um, and now, on the other hand, the Devils are 0-4-2 in their last six games with a really tough schedule coming up. So, um, you know, it, it was funny when – the Rangers were kind of struggling. We, we looked at the standings and said, all right, well, the Devils are already, what, 16 points ahead of them, whatever it was, 15 mm-hmm. points ahead. You know, the division's lost. There's no way they're catching Jersey. Now, all of a sudden, they're in shouting distance. So, um, you know, that's, that's, really, that's really how it goes. You know, sometimes you could, you could rattle off a lot of wins and um, feeling good. And if the teams above you start to slip a little bit magically, you're, you're back in it. Um, and now the Rangers are right in the thick of things. Um, as we said before, you know, Phil got on. Um, the Metropolitan Division, it's tight. You're talking eight points from first to, to sixth, which is the Capitals in that sixth position. Um, so I don't I don't think any of these teams are, are going away. Um, you know, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Capitals, the even though the Devils are, are struggling right now, they're right there. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a dogfight. Uh, and the Rangers did what they had to do to to get back in the mix. Um, you know, now for them. It's, you know, we, we had the tough loss against Pittsburgh. It's about not letting it get some more losses piled up. You don't, you don't want to lose the Islanders tomorrow. Now you're looking at two in a row, and then you play that third game, you know, and you drop that, and then it's three, and maybe things start to turn again where you start to question yourself, okay, well, you know, was that just a little blip? You know, so they, they need to now get on a run where, okay, you lose one, but now let's go and win three more in a row or four in a row. Um, but right now they're, they're playing good hockey, and I'm expecting a really good tilt tomorrow night at the Garden between two teams that are are trying to you know move up the Metropolitan Division rankings. By the way, scarier that they're not going to see each other the rest of the year after that, correct? Ridiculous. Yeah, Ridiculous. that's that's unbelievable. Stupid. That's unbelievable. Uh, Philk, final word on the Rangers right now. Ebbs and flows is definitely something you would normally um, come across in hockey, and I, I get why Anthony says that. But I, I think this is more than ebbs and flows. I, I, I think this is a team just coming together. And there was something that was definitely going on behind the scenes that contributed to whatever was going on and and just the poor results that they were showing. I, I think something needed to be said. 
Maybe Jacob Trouba, this is his stand as a leader. Maybe this is the team coming back together. Or maybe this is them saving Gerard Gallant's job. I, I don't know what it is exactly. We'll never really know until, you know, probably way far down the road. And then some article will come out talking about this little blip that they went through, I guess. But um, I, it's just a different team. It, 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 a lot of purpose. I, I just wish they would have played a little stronger in the second half of the game last night. Tristan mm-hmm. Jari was good. But they they beat they had him beat a few times and just puck luck just did not go their way and the referees didn't help them out either so we'll get Pittsburgh back the next time we see them and, and also Phil the other thing to mention never mind the tripping call the non tripping call on Mika's Zibanejad but you put Sidney Crosby on the power play and Evgeny Malkin obviously two times in a row they're going to capitalize nine times out of ten I know what the percentages say they're not that great this year. That those are the last two guys I want on the power play. Yeah. So definitely. All right. So everybody, what's your thoughts on the New York Rangers and the recent streak? Are they mm-hmm. going to be losing two in a row? No, hopefully not. Or at least can't wait for tomorrow night's tilt. Throw your comments down below and don't forget everybody to leave us a like and appease the YouTube gods. But so I know I bragged about it a little bit or a lot in the last couple of like days that I went to Chicago this week for the game. Great city. Can't wait for that video to come out hopefully this weekend. But guys, I saw everybody congregated around TV for, yes, it was the world cup final, but I can't tell you how many Messi shirts I saw. So also in honor of Lionel Messi, I have to ask you guys this question. What NHL players would you like to see win a Stanley cup right now? Other than obviously on your team, but you can feel free to say that. Phil, I'll start with you. McDavid. Um, I would definitely like to see Connor McDavid win one because the minute he wins that first cup, they're they're immediately going to start talking about him as a top 10 player of all time. That, that would just boost him right up into the conversation. He's on a trajectory already to be that type of player with the amount of scoring trophies and MVPs he's won through his first one seven or eight seasons now it's stupid but um yeah Connor mcdavid winning a cup would really people would really start talking about him as a potential top five player of all time when it's all said and done yep and anthony um i mean this i think there's there's a lot of guys that would i would like to see you know win a stanley cup um but you know one guy that that comes to mind is um is joe pavelski um, I think uh, he's been, he's been around a long sure, time. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy that, um, would score goals, but not afraid to, you know, grind it out and do what he has to do to win a hockey game. Um, and you know, seems like he's a pretty good person too. So I think it would be pretty cool to see a uh, little Joe get a taste of the cup. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Took my answer. All right. Well, I mean, if it was last year, it would definitely be Jumbo Joe Thornton. Uh, so now I have to go with my backup answer. Uh, Austin Matthews. Uh, so I, I'd love it because it would be a great tale about a guy, the American kid bringing home a Stanley cup to Toronto who couldn't even get out of the first round. And of course it would be proving yet again that he's up there in a stratosphere. He's not McDavid stratosphere yet. He's in a different level, all, all, all to his own. Like he's, he's just an elite player. 
And I would love to see, I would love to see an American kid, of course, win up there and, and bring home a Stanley cup. And, uh, so yeah, cause I was going to say Joe Pavelski. So thanks a lot. Anthony. <laughs> All right. All right. But going around to the other, to other sports guys, if you could just rattle a few off, Phil, I'll start with you. Who would you like to see in any other sport win? Well, I'd like to see Aaron Judge win one. I have a feeling a lot of us were going to say Aaron Judge, by the way. Judge is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, obviously, because I'm a Yankee fan, but, I mean, he's a class act. He is just an absolute treasure of a human being. Um, he's the face of Major League Baseball right now. He He's in the biggest market. Um, he's just great with the fans, uh, spends his time with charities. He's such a marketable down to earth type guy. He's, mm-hmm. uh, he's a larger than life personality and he is practically larger than life itself at six, seven and 280 pounds or whatever he is. But I mean, if you don't like Aaron judge, there's something wrong with you because he's just a genuinely good human being. So Aaron judge is, at the top of my list outside of hockey. All right. Well, let's go over to what's your baseball guy, Anthony. Say it again. What's your baseball guy you'd like to see win? Or do you have one or, or are you just focusing um, on one? I would probably say Lou Whitaker or, or Alan Trammell. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Going to the past for that one, but yeah, I ain't been nobody now. Um, not, no one right off, right top, top of my head. Um, but I will say in the NFL, um, my boy Josh Allen, um, I would like to see him capture the Vince Lombardi trophy. I mean, um, kind of like what Phil said about Judge, Josh Allen's just a good person. I mean, he does so much charity work in Buffalo area hospitals, um, such a you know down-to-earth guy. I mean, he was born in California, but you know, he played college football in, in Wyoming. He has that yeah. he has that small town type of guy feel, genuine guy, kind of talk to anybody. Um you know, and he you could tell that he truly, truly loves the city of Buffalo and, and being a Bill and embracing that Bill's mafia with the fans. Uh, um, and obviously, he's super, super talented. I mean, the guy's six, five, what, 240, and he runs like he's the size of like, you know, I don't know, Pat Mahomes, you know, a smaller guy uh, with his agility. Um, and he loves to hurdle, Mark. He'll, he'll jump. He'll jump yeah. right over you. He'll and go he can, through. And he can definitely do that. Um so, yeah, uh, and then more importantly, obviously, the Bills never won a Super Bowl. So for him to do it and bring the first Super Bowl trophy to Buffalo and make it extra special. Well, I'm going to go around the leagues because I had enough time to think about this. Uh, baseball, I was hoping somebody was going to say Mike Trout so I didn't have to. And I'm still going to say this for the record. I would love to see Jacob DeGrom win the World Series. That guy pitched his his butt off for the New York Mets. And he was just a joy to watch. It, it kind of irks me that I'm not going to watch him as a Met fan anymore. Going to football, I, I would have to go with Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, either one. Uh, Allen, of course, great. And, and Jackson even, speaking about guys playing their butts off, I always think that guy, his next run might be his last. Basketball, it's Chris Paul, although he <laughs> does deliver nut punches, the guys. But that's a different story. And uh, I'm going to throw this one out there for golf, Tony Finau. So, uh, I, he's a guy. I don't, that that is. That I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. You guys got anybody else you want to give a shout out for a little bit of support? Well, I mean, <laughs> biased here again, because I'm a Giants fan, but Saquon Barkley is just, 
he's a, another just salt of the earth human being. And he's just, just an amazing guy and amazing talent. And I, I would love to see him win. If it, if I was picking outside of my own team in the NFL, wow, um, that's tough. But by the way, Falk, I got to defend you on that one. Just because you're, you're, you're saying it's biased, but you got box seats to see how great of a guy Saquon Barkley is. I mean, I would love to throw I, – I thought about Saquon Barkley too, especially everything he's been through. Saquon Barkley, yeah. I mean, and then in the injury and then the comeback from that and, and just, yeah. Um, he's just great. I, I, I mean, in baseball, I, I, I would say probably – you know what? I I, w- I would have said Mike Trout previously, but he made his choice to take the money and stay in Anaheim. Um, huh, let's see, baseball. I'd probably say um, maybe Jacob Degrom. Yeah, because I mean, damn, it just uh, uh, he just he's just great. He's just incredible, and um, I mean, I know he left the Mets, but he's just he's so good. Um, I mean, uh, DP's got a good one right here. James Dolan deserves James a championship. Dolan, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, AZ's got Julian Phillips on the Miami Dolphins. Um, uh, geez, B. Rye, if it's future Yankee, we <laughs> that's gonna be there. Hey, Lauren's here. So, all right. So we're gonna just finish up this section and get over to bar talk. But so. Who else do you guys think should be, uh, or is a is a player that you're rooting for? You'd love to see them win a championship. I mean, of course. I mean, one of your favorite moments, Phil, Ray Bork. Ray Bork. And everybody was behind him the entire time. So here we go. Let's uh, just clear that out. And yeah, let's do some bar talk, guys. Shot. This is the easiest cyber dancer. Miss a beer. I can't even begin to describe. I'm actually going to go crazy. I'm going to buy everybody around on this one. Welcome back, everybody, to Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we are gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you so confident that you're buying everybody around? So, so, beer, or, oh, God, I need a shot for this. Don't forget to play along in the comments below. And, Mr. Filkowski, I got to start with you on this one. Taking a look at his stats, Libor Hayek, one goal and a plus four rating, and the Rangers actually have been playing Ben Harper over him. The Rangers need to cut ties with Libor Hayek. I'm going to buy a round on this. Um, I know that it's good to have bodies for depth, and Libor Hayek has actually played okay. Like he's not really hurt the team too, too much this year. So, um, I, I, I still got to buy around on it though, because I, I, I like Harper the way Harper's played, even though Harper hasn't been, um, great himself, but he, he's been all right. Like he hasn't really hurt the team or helped the team too, too much. He's made some decent plays at times. Um, I like the physical play and the size that he brings. Um, but yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta buy around on this. Cause I, I just think they need to move on from the remnants of that trade and just, Get on with it and move on. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna. Ju- I'll jump right in on that one, Anthony. I'm gonna buy a round on it too. It's it's great. It, so you know, it's cr- credit Lebo Hayek. He's played pretty well this year, 
but it's obvious that they're better without him. So I'm going to move on from that one. Anthony, go ahead. Um, I'm going to go beer because when you say need, I mean, he's not, he, he hasn't hurt the team um, really dramatically. Um, he's, he's fine as a number seven or number eight, you know, veteran depth guy. Um, I'm agree with everything you guys said, but um, need, I don't know. Like, I mean, with him or without him, it's not really going to affect them too much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I know it's not going to affect them, but also if it's like one of those guys that just keep on hammering into the, into the lineup all the time, just a little bit, it ends up wearing on people, by the way, I forgot to play this before for the, for the Rangers thing. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. Yeah, so I had to at least get that in there somewhere. Anthony, Adam Pellick is out with an UBI since December 6th. We think it's a concussion, correct? We think it's yeah. All right. NHL rules. Come on. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the New York Islanders are 2-2-2 without him. The Islanders desperately need back Adam Pellick. You alluded to it earlier, but your, your team first. <laughs> I mean, yeah, round. Um, Adam Pellick uh, is the, you know, the guy who drives their defense on the defensive side of the ice. You know, Noah Dobson, clearly one of the, is becoming one of the better um, offensive young defensemen in the league. Uh, but Adam Pellick, you know, he's the Islanders' strongest defender. You know, obviously, you know, P- Pollock's really good too on his own, but when they're together, that's when they're at their best. And Adam Pellick plays in such key minutes for them, penalty kill. Um, he's, he's long rangy. He, he skates really well for a bigger guy. Um, you know, he's just, he's just so solid and, you know, for matchups, um, you know, he's their, he's their guy. And, you know, without him, um, you see everybody else trying to pull their weight, you know, Sebastian Ajo actually hasn't really been bad and, and Salo hasn't either, but, um, they need Adam Bell, Adam Pellick back there on the left side of the defense. Um, they're just so much better as a unit when he's healthy. Um, there's no secret. He had his coming out party over the last, what, three years as one of the better, shut down D in the league. Um, and without him, you know, the Islanders defense suffers. So hopefully he can come back soon. Um, I don't know. Hasn't skated yet, but yeah, they, they need him back. Phil. What is there left to say after that? <laughs> what, 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 what exactly am I going to say uh, other than what Anthony said there? Yes. Yeah. This is around. And I think that we should, every time that you pose a layup question like that, <laughs> We should have you play a clip of an NBA player hitting a layup because that's what <laughs> it's a layup. Well, fortunately, there are going to be ways to figure that one out to do it on StreamYard. So I'll be doing that. <laughs> and by the way, uh, I, I, you know, I'm going to take you up on that, Phil. I'm actually going to make that happen because I'm going to say the word round two and also say, what else can I say after John just said everything he just did? So there you go, Phil. All right. By the way, the Islanders uh, with Pellick. 2.7 goals against per game. It's gone up 2.83. So, yeah. And currently, currently, by the way, both New York teams reside in the wild cards. The Rangers are the first wild card. The Islanders are tied for the second one. Guys, the Metro Division will send five teams to the playoffs this year. Philk, I'm starting with you. I'm going to say beer. Just because I, I think it's highly probable that this does happen. So the Carolina Hurricanes are going to make the playoffs. 
Mm-hmm. I think both the Rangers and the Islanders are going to make the playoffs. I think Pelic's going to come back. They're going to right their ship. They're going to be okay. I really wonder about the Devils, though. And I think they eventually will, but I think they're going to make it by the skin of their teeth if they do. And then you have, uh, you know, obviously you have the Hurricanes and the Penguins, really. So it's a matter of what it comes down to, with Washington or the Devils. Do, does, does Backstrom get back in time to help them out? Tom Wilson hasn't also played a game this season either. So they're they're without two top six forwards right there and two big difference makers for them. That's the big thing for me. So does is it going to be Washington or the Devils? That's what I really come down to. Because aside from the big three in the Atlantic right now, the three uh, division occupants, I don't see anybody else from the Atlantic making it. So mm-hmm. Even though we're going to talk about one team in the Atlantic in a moment. Anthony. I'm going to go round. You know, because the, the Sabres have 34 points. They're, they're the next Atlantic team out of a playoff spot. The Lightning have 41. Um, not, so not, not like a, a huge hole, but I don't, I don't think the, the Sabres or the Panthers are going to catch either of the Lightning, Bruins, or Maple Leafs. Um, and there are five Metro teams already in the playoffs. Um, even though Buffalo is playing well, I, I, I don't see them or Florida bumping – you know, either of the Capitals, Rangers, or Devils out of a playoff spot. So I think you are going to see five Metro teams going to the playoffs this season. And guys, I'm going to go round two, and I'm just going to go with the math because it's going to take a Herculean winning streak for one of those Atlantic teams to get in the shouting distance of the Metro teams. And the Metro teams still have Washington sitting at sixth place. So that's that's another thing. They're tied with the Islanders right now, and they're, uh, I think, 7-2-1 and one in their last 10, Washington is. Uh, yeah, 7-2-1. and one. So right now, th- if you're the Atlantic team, you better hope you get hot. That's not going to happen with Detroit. That's not going to happen with probably the Panthers either. More on that in a moment. And why don't we just move on to uh, – well, we got one more topic for the Metro Division before we go on, guys. Look at these numbers put up by Piotr uh, Piotr Kochekov. I had the last name, couldn't get the first name right, guys. 10-1-4, 1.94 goals against, two, uh, sorry, a 9-2-8 save percentage. Kochekov is playing his way into Calder competition, boys, and I'm going to buy everybody around on this one because he took over for Igor Sesterkin in the KHL, and now it's it looks like he's just another guy that they produced that's going to – I mean, all these Russian goalies that are taking over the league. I kept on saying for years, how, where are the Russian goalies? But now they're here. So, yeah. Phil. It's it's funny because a comment before, I think it was from Lauren, um, trying to find that. It, it was uh, a comment about uh, it's the year of the Russian goalie, I think he said. Yes, there it is. Okay, so this is the year of the Russian goalie. No, this is this is the era of the Russian goalie. Remember when the Finns had the explosion with the goalies in like the two thousands? Yeah, this is this is it right here. We're seeing it with the Russians. Uh, it's something they're doing with their training. I don't know what it is, but they're just incredible right now. All these Russian goaltenders, and I, I'm buying around on this. I'm looking at the the Calder field. I mean, Matty Beniers is really at the top of it and then you have Kochetkov and then who else is really right after them uh 
Logan Thompson, I'd put Logan, him ahead of Kachekov right now. Another one. I mean, this could be a year where you have a forward and two goalies as the three finalists. Now, I don't think that's happened in a while. Could uh, Kuzmenko just? I does he technically qualify as a rookie? I think he does, but I'm not sure about his age. That's the thing. All right, so no, 26. No, he wouldn't qualify because he's over the age limit, I believe. Right, but by the way, you got guys like Matias uh, Maselli, or Maselli, yeah. I mean, Cole Perfetti is doing stuff, and uh, you got Jack Quinn in, in Buffalo. But I'm just, you know, other than Matty Beneers, I'm not really seeing it. I got to turn it over to you, Anthony. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm going round. Um, you know, he's he's been outstanding for Carolina. I think it said they're actually going to carry three goalies when Anderson comes back because you can't send him down to the minors the way he's playing. So. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, right, if, right now, my money, it's either him or Beniers, uh, and I don't really see him going away. So I think this is an easy one, a, a layup, Mark. I think this is a, a, definitely a round. <laughs> um, but no love for Logan Thompson. I mean, he, he's, he's been good too. And maybe he's a third finalist, but I would say right now, um, you know, it's Beniers like a checkoff. Yeah. And he could be he could be right there. That's it's it's amazing what's going through. But gotta look at those teams in the in the Atlantic that are really struggling. And one of these you can't believe it, guys. Florida Panthers are five and five in their last 10, 34 points on the year, and they're fifth in the wild card. Florida Panthers are in serious trouble, Anthony. Yeah, I'm gonna go round again. I, I don't, I don't see them catching any of the top three in the Atlantic, um, so that takes away one path to the playoffs. The other path is through the wild card. Um, and right now, are they any better? Are they better than the Rangers, the Islanders, or or even the Capitals? No, they're not. Um, they're not getting good goaltending, especially from Bobrovsky. Knight's been, eh. um, I mean, they're just they're, and I mean, when you look at their forward lineup, I mean, obviously Barkov is great, Carter Verhage is good, but. Um, and they're being led by Matthew Kachuk, but other than that, they're they're not they're just a a very bland group right now, um, who's not very good defensively. So unless they they made some serious trades and kind of shook things up, um, I don't really see anything changing this year, which is disappointing for their fans because after the year they had last year, you thought they were on the up and up and they're going to challenge Tampa for years to come. But I don't see it this year. I I, I don't I don't think they make the playoffs. Felk. I'm going to buy around. Um, they are way far. They're seven points back of Tampa Bay right now. And Tampa Bay just seems to be chugging along. Toronto, as we know, regular season Lions, postseason paper Tigers. Yep. Just, yeah. Well, but they're going to get there. And then Boston is just Boston. Uh, I mean, so Florida's not catching them. Uh, they don't have the defense to do it. Um, their goaltending has just been really bad. And it just seems like Barkov does not have that chemistry with Matthew Kachuk that he had with Jonathan Huberto. And it's it's made the team worse, uh, inherently worse. And it's so, funny because Kachuk has played well. Kachuk yeah, has played well. Yeah. He, he, individually, he's played well, but it, Barkov has not played well without Huberto. And, and Huberto has not played nearly as well without Barkov. So it, it, this could be a case of two players just being so acclimated to playing with each other. It would be like breaking up the Sedin twins and expecting them to produce 100-point seasons without each other. 
So um, I, I, I think that they are in some serious, serious trouble. And at, at this point, it seems like they need a defenseman to help get them into the playoff picture, never mind putting them to that next level. Like they would have to go mm-hmm. get Jacob Chikrin, I think, to merely to get there. And what do they have to go get him at this point? Assets well, they, that I don't think they want to give up. They traded every first round draft pick until Carlos Correa's uh, contract ends. So that's that's. Well, I didn't know there was going to be a Carlos Correa mention. <laughs> oh, I've, uh, I've been I've been saying it all. I said mm-hmm. uh, as for Anthony's introduction that Ella's going to be graduating high school by the time that contract's over. So. Um, <laughs> But Phil, I gotta agree with you. It, it's it's I gotta buy around, guys. We are buying beers everywhere. You should have been hanging out with us tonight. So it's they're just the math is saying that they're not even the next best team in the Atlantic. The next best team in the Atlantic, they're they're tied with the Sabers, but the Sabers went in on uh, games played and uh, they got more wins. So I mean. The, the Panthers, I don't think they're even going to make the playoffs. They're going to go from President's Trophy to not making the playoffs. And I'm not sure if that's happened since Carolina Hurricanes, I think. Was it was it 2006? Uh, there, there's a lot of those teams that you, no, you like. Carolina didn't win the President's Trophy in 2006. They didn't win 2006? They won the Cup, but they didn't win the President's Trophy. Oh, my mistake on that one. But, I mean, still, I'd have to go back and check on that and see who, who it is. I know it took the Rangers three years to get knocked out of the playoffs. But anyway, this is why I should have looked it up before that. Because, by the way, one player that I, we, we are gonna, we've been gushing about on this show, we love this guy, but I, I got to throw this statistic up, guys. Since, since November 28th, Connor McDavid had played 12 games. He's at 28 points. Tage Thompson's got 24 points in 11 games. Tage Thompson can actually carry Buffalo into the playoffs, even with everything we just said. I'll I'll start it. I'll buy a round. I, I think he can do it. I don't think he will. There's a difference. So I'm just gonna turn it right over to you guys. He is he is just playing amazing uh, two way hockey. Uh, Phil, go right to you. Shot. Uh, I I just don't think they're there yet. I I, I really don't. They have so many good pieces in place. Um, UPL is a solid goaltender. He's it looks like he's getting to another level. Um, you know, Samuelson, Quinn, Darlene, uh, Krebs, Cousins. I mean, they they've got they've got so many good young pieces. They just need to be surrounded with the right veterans. It's just not this year. And of course, and, Owen Power. Uh, and Owen Power. Forgot about him for a second. You know, the guy I picked that I to win the Calder. That's not going to happen, but I mean, they've got so many good pieces, so many good pieces. And, and Paterka, JJ Paterka is another one. So um, it, it, they, they've got it, but it's just, it's not there yet. By the way, I'm going up to Buffalo to see them play the Islanders next month. And yes, it's when our guest Ryan Miller was on the show and it'll, he's going to have his number retired that night. Anthony Tage Thompson. Shot. I mean, he's he's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you talk about a breakout player. I mean, between last year and what he's doing this year, um, I mean, he's he, and for guys his size, my God. Um, <laughs> just think, just think about that tweet I uh, they sent you. The Elliot Freeman said there was a team 
that wouldn't even give up a fifth round pick for Thompson a couple of years ago. When wouldn't he was give up a fifth round pick for a player with that yeah. type of size and talent. I don't know. I know. I, why I are you kidding? Even when he wasn't producing, you just you yeah. take a take a chance on a replication flyer, yeah. project. I I would love this. I would love to know what GM that was because right now he's probably just beside himself for not for not doing that. But um, I'd love yeah, to know no. how he still has a job. He, he he's he's a great <laughs> player. Uh, and again, you know, Phil mentioned a lot of the good young players they have. I think they're on the right path. Um, but I don't think they can do it this year. Again, they're not they're not better than any other other playoff teams right now. Like you know, the wild cards, the Rangers and the Islanders in gold. They're not anywhere close to that level yet. Um, and just overall. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's the right player to rebuild around and just a quick second before we move on, talk about the Buffalo Sabres and you know, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about Jeff Skinner might have the worst contract in hockey and I don't know what happened to him, but last year he rebounded with 33 goals and this year he's got 36 points in 29 games. So, yeah. um, I don't know what happened to him, you know, if he started eating his well, weeds again, yeah, but, but Jeff Skinner's back and that's helping Buffalo too be competitive. But they, yeah. there's lots of guys that like that. Was not even don't look further than Kyle Pozo. Kyle Pozo, who looked like an albatross of a contract, now looks like he's at least earning his money. So that that definitely helps matters. Uh, he, the one advantage, by the way, for the Sabers, they get to play against the the teams in the Atlantic. But all it takes is Detroit to start playing well again, and maybe start Billy Huso a little bit more, who's been there better at two goalies. And uh, the next thing you know, they're knocking each, they're trying to step over each other in order to get to the playoffs. <laughs> Just increases the gap for the Metro Division. It could. Guys, in the last ten games, there has been well, we already know about this dynamic duo. The number one in the league is, of course, McDavid and Drysaitel. Let's face that. But in the last ten games, Matt Zuccarello, sixteen points, Kirill Kaprizov. 15 points. Zuccarello and Kaprizov are the second best duo in the NHL. Anthony. So what, what's your, like, what's your criteria? Like, do they literally, do they literally have to play, like have to play together? Because, Good question. I'm um, going to say they because, have to play together. All right. Cause that changes. Cause if, if they didn't, I mean, you're talking, I, I would say shot. Cause you know, you're talking Marner and Matthews, McKinnon and Rantanen. And there's, there's a lot of Crosby and Malkin, et cetera. Um, so having to play with each other. Yeah. That, that, that changes things. Um, so um, I'll, I'll say beer. Um, they obviously they have great chemistry. It seems like they got close off the ice. Um, and you know, it, it helps Zuccarello not take anything away from Zuc, but I mean, he's playing with one of the most talented players in the league. I mean, Kirill the Thrill, um, he's he's a he's got every asset you want in a hockey player. But um, yeah, I, I'll go I'll go beer. But if if it was otherwise, I probably would have said shot, and that's no slot to, uh, shot, you know, to them. But there's just so many other iconic duos. Were you afraid of saying the word shot twice in that sentence? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phil- I'm going to say beer, but it, it, it's close. Um, right behind McDavid and Drysaddle, because McDavid and Drysaddle play together sometimes. They don't play together all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they're on the power play together, but McDavid usually is on a separate line from Drysaddle. They'll be put together for like power line purposes towards the end of the games, or if, you know, or Brickcroft wants to do, uh, you know, uh, switch things up. 
I, I would say McKinnon and Rantanen together are probably the second best duo in the NHL right behind them. And then, I mean, if you want something to challenge these two, you got to look at Jason Robertson or Rupa Hintz right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. that Because that, that line might be the best line in the NHL right now. You know what? And uh, I'm going to stick with the beer. And I think you said it before, Phil. I'm going to just echo your words. How am I going to follow up after that? Because you covered everything possibly that I could say. I was hoping that there would definitely be some other ones that formulated. I can't really say anything about a duo of Mark Stone and Jack Eichel just yet because I don't think either one has been in the lineup too many games with the other one. These two, though, when they're together, they're they're electric. And it takes a guy like Matt Zuccarello to understand how to play with a guy like Kaprizov. I mean, yeah, not- you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna step in here real quick because we you, Anthony, you talked before about you know no offense to Zuccarello playing with Kaprizov. I I get that, but at the same time, Zuccarello right before he left the Rangers was playing close to a point per game hockey, and ever since Kaprizov came back in and he's got somebody talented to play with. Zuccarello has basically been playing at about point-per-game hockey. So I, I think as much as Kaprizov has helped Zuccarello, I think if Kaprizov had a lesser player with him, I don't think Kaprizov puts up 114 points last year, whatever he put up last year. I think it was, 100 and, was it 107 or something? Yeah, it was. I think it was, it was somewhere around there. But it, it, it's, you know, you, you can't. You got to give a little more credit to Matt Zuccarello because he's actually a really good player, and I, I still think he's one of the most underrated players in the NHL. I don't think this guy gets enough uh, recognition for being as good as he actually is. I can understand that too, and uh, Anthony. I'll let you I don't. I didn't mean make... to take any slight away from from Zuccarello. I guess I was just exemplifying. Kirill Kaprizov is one of the league's best elite players. You know, he could probably play with a lot of other guys and have you know gaudy numbers as well. Um, I agree. But one one other duo, by the way, they, obviously not this year because he didn't play, but just in general, talk about iconic duos, Backstrom and Ovechkin. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's one of the better ones that we've seen in the last, what, 10 years? Sadly, that's looking like it's going to – it's it's not really going to happen that often afterwards. And also, I guess one duo that's starting to form – uh, I mean, Stutzla and Kachuk in Ottawa, or maybe even Goudreau in one of those two, because they're having he's having a good season with them. But more on that in a moment. And uh, let's go over to the last one, which is right now the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames are tied for the second wild card with 36 points. The Edmonton Oilers are in more trouble than the Calgary Flames, guys. And just to help you, here's the last 10. Filk. Um, I I'm gonna I'm gonna buy around actually on this, and the reason for that is I just do not trust this team's goaltending, and I don't trust this team's defense. There was an article today, um, I think it was from Pierre LeBron, and it was talking about Edmonton being interested in guys like John Klingberg and Joel Edmondson, and those would. Both be big, tremendous acquisitions yeah. for the Edmonton Oilers. But here's the problem. What do they have to get those guys? Mm-hmm. And and that's why I think the Edmonton Oilers are in a lot of trouble because they need multiple additions on their back end and, and they need a trustworthy goaltender. But I, I don't know if they have the assets to go and get everything done. 
Calgary, uh, I don't get what's going on there. They have this, they're almost the same team in place, same coach. He's got a winning pedigree, winning two Stanley Cups. So what, is it just the players are tired of Sutter? Because if, if that's the case, because he does he does wear thin on players over time. A lot yes. of coaches like that do. If that's the case, then that's a huge problem. But Calgary seems like they're a lot closer to riding their ship than Edmonton is theirs. And Jacob Markstrom is really the big issue in Calgary. Like, he needs to be closer to where he was last year than when he is this year. Because we were talking about Igor being, like, godlike last year and now being average. Igor was actually still putting up decent numbers despite the, the shoddy defense in front of him. Markstrom is a big reason why Calgary has not been as good as they been, uh, as they should be this year. So, uh, yeah, I'm buying around on this. And also, just to piggyback what you're saying, you need Jack Campbell to play like he did last year versus Toronto, which still really wasn't that great. Anthony, your thoughts? I'm going to... I'm going to go round. Um, you know, obviously we know about McDavid and Dreisaitl. Aside from them, uh, Nugent Hopkins and Hyman are playing over a point per game. Um, but after there, I mean, and Evander Kane was going at a pretty good clip until he got hurt. But you, you can't you, you can't win when you only have four forwards that are doing anything. If you look at their production of their forwards after Hyman and Nugent Hopkins, it's bad. Um, and when you and when you combine that with having shoddy goaltending and defense, it's not great. You're going to get what you see, uh, you know, a, a middling team that's being carried by two superstar players. Um, you know, fortunately, McDavid and Dreisaitl could probably will the Oilers to the playoffs. But similar to the Maple Leafs, um, if nothing changes, I, I don't I don't see them having any long term success in the playoffs. Um, so I think, yeah, the Oilers are in more trouble. I, I think Calgary's a little more well-rounded at forward with some of their guys and, you know, Kadri, Lindholm. Huberto, Backlund, Toffoli, Maggiapani. They got more, they got more balance uh in their forward at their forward position. Um, but Markstrom is struggling too. So that, that's that's an issue as well. But um over overall, that's a bad stat. Uh oh, oh, it takes the air out of your hockey club. Um, but overall, I would say the Oilers are in more in trouble. So I'm gonna stick with the round. I am just double checking one thing before I open my mouth, which is not usual for me. So I just want to make sure. They have the highest goals against average for any team since November 1st. That's in playoff positioning right now. They have a 3.56 goals against since, oh, I'm sorry, 3.54. Was that 3. Edmonton 5, or Calgary? Was the, was the St. Louis Blues. Who so, was that, Edmonton or Calgary, Mark? That was Ed, no, that's Edmonton. That's, sorry. Oh, yeah. I, did, I wasn't that's clear about that. Yeah. Uh, I got to buy around this on that. that. It's just kind of going right along with, what I was saying before about Markstrom. Like, wow. Wow. And, Phil, let's, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that one. Let's go with this one. What happens is, and you guys know it as a player, you're on the bench. You're, you're, you're waiting to get your first shift. Maybe you're already on the ice for your first shift. First puck goes in on the goalie. You're starting to think, what the – it's going to be one of those type of nights. Or what the hell do yeah. I have to do to stop it? Anybody? <laughs> no, I, I said, yeah, it, it takes the yeah. air out of your hockey team yeah. when that happens. It, it, it just it kills you. It, 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 you're, I mean, it's like like the Rangers. They that that second period. So they dominated the first ten minutes of that second period. And oh, they didn't say any goals for it. And then that power play comes along, and Pittsburgh 
just they took the game because of it. They yeah. took the game. So Yeah, confidence is a two way street sometimes. And you could like you could just put in an empty netter and the next thing you know, you get a goal the next night, like Jacob Truba did. That was a terrible goal, by the way, that yeah. uh of let up. But uh that was one that that was the only one I could blame him for for out of the seven. Um, that's a that's a men's league goalie that should have gotten that one. But then yeah, then you get other times where the puck starts going on the goalie, the defense starts overcompensating, and the next thing you know, you let a three in the first period. It's just it, it's what happens. All right, so that is actually it for the Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk, guys. Thank you very much for joining us on this one. Uh, and we always like to take a look around the league. And now let's uh let's see if there's any like are there any news and notes around the league that we could think of, guys. Well, like I was talking about before, uh, the article from Pierre LeBron talking about um, how Edmonton would be interested in guys like John Klingberg and um, uh, Joel Edmondson. That was that's a big one that's been uh, that I just saw before. So, I mean, it's kind of you know just speculation on LeBron's part, but it's notable, definitely notable at the very least. So. Uh, you're going to have to take a look at that. And you say to yourself, if you're Edmonton, what, what do we have at this point to, to give up? And yeah, they need to address two, uh, you know, at least I would say two defensemen to, to come in, but you know, those guys are going to both cost a pretty penny to get. Yeah. That's really going to be tough for Edmonton at that point. I, I'm at a loss for words to figure out what Edmonton is going to do or need. So I'm just going to move on from there. Anthony, what do you got? Um, I mean, not much. Uh, there was there was that minor three-team trade the other day, uh, and then there was the Dryden hunt for um, uh, Dennis Mulligan trade. But um, yeah. the holiday roster freeze is now in effect, so no movement until uh, after the break. Um, and, you know, it's it, – it's, it, I think it was Elliot Freeman saying that um, there are so many teams that are so close to the cap that this year – you probably won't start to see some trades until closer to the trade deadline, insinuating that you won't see much movement um, earlier. So, um, you know, uh, you're still at the point of year where, you know, things are going to be a little quiet for kind of like league-wide movement. Um, but, you know, I think teams start to maybe plant some seeds of, of talks that eventually turn into something as, as the year goes on. There's no question that teams are calling Vancouver on Bo Horvat. Um, you know, Patrick Kane, I think, is slated to, you know, meet his agent slated to meet with the the general, the Blackhawks brass after the holidays and, um, you know, revisit on um, what his wishes are and, you know, where his head's at. So maybe over the next couple of weeks, we'll get some news on, on Kane and, you know, what he may or may not decide to do. But, um, yeah, there are going to be a lot of teams that are, that are looking to they're looking to make a move, but they're just going to need a dance partner, you know, someone that can make the cap work and the numbers and. Um, I think for that reason, you'll see a lot of trades closer to the deadline where teams have more cap space. Because as of right this moment, teams don't have much flexibility. That's why that I think that cap news is the worst news for the Vancouver Canucks. Because yeah. if you were able to find a trade partner with that with that amount of cap space, it might be able to like facilitate a bigger trade. Oh or, yeah. I mean, they have to eat more money, but that's a different well, story. Okay. Yeah, considering that Bo Horvat basically it came out that they're 
that he's pretty much gone at this point. So it would make more sense to move him now. But as Anthony said, who the hell has the cap room to make that trade right now? It seems like nobody. And then you have the news of, of a cap going up by only a million. Uh, I, I mean, I know they're pretty close to getting that $70 million deficit in escrow paid off. So mm-hmm. I think maybe either next season or the season after that, or at the season after this upcoming season, I think we'll see a big increase in, in cap. So there'll definitely be more room, which will definitely help a team like the New York Rangers. <laughs> that, thanks for that one, Jeff. Thanks for a Truba and that $8 million contract, buddy. Uh, Truba and Kreider, that's $14.5 million right there. Well, at least Chris Kreider is like sort of pulling his own weight. I mean, Jacob Truba isn't pulling anything right now. Like, <laughs> it, it, that's bad. Chris Kreider is quietly having a decent season. He's on. He's on pace for just under 40 goals. He's got 16 in 34 games. Yeah. So, and he's got 26 points, which I believe puts him on pace for about 65, if I'm correct, if the math is correct there. I'm just doing this off the top of my head right now. So I'm I'm actually going to put it through right now. So that's, it's on pace for 39 goals, which is really good. And then he's on pace for... 62 points, 63 points. So I was, I was pretty close on both regards. And, so, and I know everybody's heard us say this a lot, but I got to back it up with what you say right there because nobody was bidding on Truba. Sorry. I'll go go back to that one second. Yeah, no, that, that, that's fine. You, you could, you could go back to Pete's one about nobody else was bidding for Truba. It's just yeah. like when the Rangers went after Bobby Holik um, and they went one and a half or one million plus over Toronto and Philadelphia who bid 8 million for Bobby Olick, And then the Rangers had to go to 9 million for him instead of saying, Hey, wait, this is not a good idea. Yeah. Should have went off red flag. I mean, geez. Uh, uh, Steve, Steve Cohen looks like he's ready to throw about a billion dollars on the New York Mets right now, but that's a different story. There needs to be more owners like Steve Cohen in baseball. There needs to be. And I, I, Hal Steinbrenner needs to act more like Steve Cohen and his damn father start spending money. And the NHL needs to market their, their game a hell of a lot better so that these owners can go and have more cap space and spend more money. We can stop worrying about salary caps and everything like that. Stop letting cheapskate billionaires not pay money towards their teams to get minimal investments out of it. Stupid. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's amazing because I'm waiting for uh, the zombie of George Steinbrenner to rise from this grave <laughs> to slap around Hal. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he fired Hal before he slapped him around because, I mean, that's that's what George Steinbrenner did. But, I mean, that's where it's just um, – it's, it's, it's amazing how just it's this, – this, this could have been the Yankees' time to outbid everybody. And instead, it was the Mets that did it. I think that's why I'm still a little bit numb on all of this. I got that the Mets were done. And then this morning, my, my one of my housemates walks over to me and just says, oh, you hear the, the Mets got Carlos Correa? What? So, the Mets have emerged as a World Series favorite. And But this is what I talked about before with the remaking of, say, the Islanders, where if you have a free agent that goes to the market in the NHL. What happens? He gets an offer from usually 
the Rangers, the Bruins, the Maple Leafs, the Canadians. Uh, they used to be the Red Wings. Uh, and then there's like that second tier. The Islanders are now in that second tier. And now they just have to get a, well, if they had a GM that can actually land, for, uh, go, go, that wants to go get free agents. I'm not saying he can't land them. He's done it before when he's, when he's acquired them. It, it's just not his philosophy. It's, it's, it's all right. I, I'm not saying anything wrong with that, Lou. You know what? It, it worked previously because back in the 90s and early 2000s, Lou and, and Conti had their heads about themselves. And Lou just doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't. And he he's stuck in this George Steinbrenner way. Like, dude, you are not George Steinbrenner and you're not running the New York Yankees. Like, you can't do that with players. The, the Yankees can do that because the Yankees still have that lore of being that organization. The mm-hmm. Islanders and the Devils were not and are not that. So right, but now uh, you can at least look. They can at least look over and go look at our brand new shiny building, which I, I, I was on the air train going past that the other day, and it's still gorgeous. Yeah, UBS is a. I just if you haven't seen a game there, go and do it. It's beautiful. Uh, I mean, there are parts where you can stay in the concourse and watch the game from the mm-hmm. concourse, which I don't think you can really do in any other arena, which is cool because you can do that at the Yankee Stadium, which is mm-hmm. amazing. You can watch the game from almost anywhere in the concourse. Um, there's not really a bad seat in the house in UBS. And uh, another thing I like about UBS, just like the Coliseum and like Camden Yards in, in baseball as well, is it's, it's a very homely feel, and you feel like you're right on top of the game, which is mm-hmm. just great. Um, it's, it's also a great venue for other um, for other purposes. I mean, I've seen two AEW wrestling shows there, and I've had a blast and good seats at both of them. So UBS, well done, Tim, Tim Lyricky, who also actually did um, Climate Pledgery yes. in Seattle. So um, yep. did a really good job on both arenas. I still I want to get to Seattle and see a cracking game, especially now that they're playing well. I want to see how uh, crazy those guys get out there because Seattle sports fans—they're a different breed, and they're they're passionate. I mean, the Mariners fan base is a really good fan base. The Sonics fan base was great before they folded. Um, the Seahawks—you know how nuts they are with their uh, with their um, uh, six was it six man that they used the to call twelfth man the twelfth man yeah. Twelfth man, but yeah, they well, got they got sued by Texas A and M for that. Yeah, well, uh, still, but they, I mean, they, they've got a, they've got it, it's a good sports town, so I, I definitely yeah. want to see what that uh, climate pledge is like too. Just before I throw this over to Anthony, because we're still pra- or praising UBS Arena, uh, but again, that's where organizations getting their reputations and everything. That's what helps attract free agents to begin with. Free agents just don't show up to crappy organizations unless they're the Texas Rangers. But it's just, uh, so for, for starters, we'll go with uh, your thoughts on where the Islanders are next year for free agency and also the new building. Like, what do you think, Anthony? Well, I mean, the new building is, is amazing. Um, like, By the said, way, especially could, with the new train, you know, the, the uh, train station. You, you, could, you could watch the game from that open area on the concourse where the bars are. Um, you know, the, the, it's like the Coliseum where – you know, you are right on top of the action. The sight lines are great. 
Um, the facilities are amazing. Like when you walk in, like the rotunda, I yep. mean, that's it's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's just everything mm -hmm. is such nicely done, state of the art. Uh, you know, they have they have the the bar, the rooftop bar, uh, sponsored by Heineke upstairs. Um, you know, it's just it's just a great Heineken, building. Not Heineke. Um, Heineken. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke. <laughs> Taylor Heineke. Oh, that's Anthony's first one, I yeah. think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, oh. But um, as for like the the free agents itself, like the Islanders, uh, the way their team is constructed right now, um, the, at the forward position at least, they don't have they don't have many contracts. Uh, at forward coming off. I mean, you have like, you know, Zach Parise, which honestly I wouldn't mind bringing him back on another one year deal. He's, you know, for 750 K he's providing great value. Um, but other than him, really every other forward is, is still on the contract. I mean, Oliver Walsh for me, yeah, he's an RFA. So he's going to, so he's going to be re-signed. So um, to, to upgrade their, their forward position, Mark through free agency, um, it, it likely it likely won't happen. I, I still think their their path on changing the the makeup of their of their forward group is through is through trades. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. off the top of my and head, I mean, lose, I think that's just still lose philosophy though. But I mean, if the Islanders really wanted to attract somebody, although this was the year they could have proved it, I just don't think that's what Lou wants to do. I think I think the Islanders are an organization that can actually attract a big name free agent, and once they get that guy. Then the second one comes right after that. I mean, yeah. Uh, again, though, um, you know, for 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 Lou, um, I think in the past he has he has wanted to go for free agents. Obviously, you know, he he tried to keep Tavares. He you know he was the bridesmaid on Artemi Panarin. So it's not that he doesn't he doesn't go he doesn't go for them. Um, you know, he just he's not going to go out and overpay for a guy just for the sake of doing it. If it, if it fits the team yeah. and, the, and the player is right, um, he would do it. Um, you know, yeah. we, we heard the the whole Johnny Gaudreau thing when he came to the island. Gaudreau said afterwards, like, I didn't even talk to the Islanders during free agency, which was weird based on everything, okay. like, some of the insiders said. But that just proves, you know, if that, that just proves that's true. Even though a big guy was out there, Lou didn't go for him, one, you know, because of cap space, and two, because of, you know, whatever philosophy he has. But, um, again, you know, I – I see for him more so trade for the guy that you want and then re-sign him. That's why, honestly, I, I think um, I think Bo Horvat makes sense for them, even though he's a, a center, not a wing. Um, he's a he's a Lou guy because he's a captain, a leader, which Lou loves those type of guys. Mm -hmm. um, he's not just an offensive player. You know, he can he can play in all areas of the ice. Once again, a, a Lou trait. And then lastly, Bo Horvat was the player that that. You know, he didn't draft Horvat. It was the pick. But if the Devils yeah. kept, the, if the Devils kept the pick, word is they were going to select Bo Horvat. So um, my gut tells me, you know, there's all this talk about Patrick Kane, but I think that Lou has his eyes more so on trading for Horvat and trying to keep him rather than Patrick Kane. So we'll see how that goes as the season progresses. And let me throw this out there: you end up throwing him on a line where he actually centers, and JG Pajot moves the wing. No. I, you got a critical face-off or something like that. I, you got JG Pajot and the Horvat. Go ahead. I, I I think if if that came to fruition, um, I think they would move Brock Nelson to Barzell's wing. You know, they talk about scoring wing for for Barzell. 
Um, the few times this season where Lane has put the lines in a blender, whether it be playing short or you know just trying to jumpstart the team, when Nelson has been on the ice with Barzell, um, they've looked really, really good together. So, um, you know, getting a center like Horvat that allows you to move Nelson to Barzell's wing, and you know now you have a guy that if Barzell passes the puck to, you know, no slight to Wallstrom, just Nelson's a smarter player. He's a more veteran player. He knows how to get open to use his shot. Um, I think Barzell next playing with Nelson could be a really, really good thing for the Islanders. Phil, what are your thoughts about that? It's just like, you know what? I've had this conversation about Patrick Kane and the Rangers and how some people don't want Patrick Kane. The, you put I'd Patrick be one of them. Kane. What's up? I'd be one of them. Yeah. And I, and I understand why people don't want him, but and there are people saying that he doesn't help because his numbers are so bad at five on five. Analytics are not independent. No matter what anyone says, they're not independent because everything that happens in a sequence affects what happens for a set player and affects their analytics. It's just how it is. It, it, it's the reality of hockey. And Patrick Kane would absolutely help the New York Rangers. He would be able to move players down the lineup and you'd be able to strengthen uh, your, your, your top six, your top nine. You'd be able to just strengthen your forward unit overall. And, that, and that's what Bo Horvat would do for the Islanders. Bo Horvat would come in and be that goal scorer that the Islanders have needed. I, I, I mean, do I, I, my concerns with Bo Horvat is, is this a newfound level for him? Or is this just him in a contract year? Because we've never seen this type of production from Bo Horvat before. And it's not even close. So, uh, And it goes for any team that acquires him. I mean, is this going to be the norm for him going forward? I mean, is he going to be a, a, a 35 to 40 goal type player going forward? Or is he just going to go back to being a 25, 30 goal, maybe at most guy, and he's a 60, maybe 70 point player? Um, Horvat's not a great two-way player, Lauren. Um, I, I will say that. He's okay defensively. He's not going to hurt you there, but he's not a great, great two-way player. He's not known as a great two-way player. Um, he would be a good pickup for any team that gets him. It, it's just my concern is, is, does he go back to what he's been previously? Because this is kind of a very, very odd outburst later in his career. He's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. And for now, all of a sudden, for him to get to this level in a contract year, I find that somewhat convenient. But he would, like Anthony said, Putting Brock Nelson with Matt Barzell would do wonders because I thought Oliver Wallstrom was going to be that guy that was going to get put with Matt Barzell and he was going to be the guy that would take that next level and he'd become that 25, 30 goal scorer that I thought he could be. And it hasn't worked out yet. And, and I'm not saying it couldn't, you know, it's, it, it's again, players hit their peak years when they're like 23 to 26, 27 in that range. And that's when you, you really see the spikes in the production. Hi, Tage Thompson. We've been talking about you for the last month on this show. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Wallstrom could find that level in the next couple of years for all we know. But Brock Nelson with Matt Barzell right now would go a long way for the Islanders. Yeah. Um, yeah, and 27 years old for Bo, Ho- Bo Horvat right now Um his – uh, he'll be 28 after he's been traded. April 5th is his, his birthday. There's, yeah, last year, like Phil mentioned, you know, Horvat's playing at a career 
pace right now. Um, last, even better than his 31 goal season last year. I mean, even if he doesn't maintain the production he's playing at now, I would still take it. I would still take who he was last year because I mean, 31 goals is you know pretty good for for a guy. Um, but I mean, to, so for instance, Wicked says this, which which is fair. But you have you have to you have to think about something. You're, you're trying you're trying to win a Stanley Cup here. Um, you know, what are the chances the Island? Let's say the Islanders' pick is going to be what anywhere from I don't know uh, sixteen at maybe the highest to twenty three twenty you know twenty four. I mean, what are the chances our player in that range is going to be better than you know Bo Horvat? It's not it's not a guarantee. Um, so if if the Islanders could could acquire Bo Horvat and they have to give up your first round pick. I mean, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm not really, I'm not really questioning it. I mean, of course, obviously if the pick was going to be a fifth overall pick, then, you know, of course you, you, you don't do that, but where the Islanders are going to be, I, I, I think not moving a first um, yeah, would be silly to pass okay. up on Bo Horvat because of that. That goes without saying, I, I just, I, like I said, my concern is he's on pace for 58 goals, 58 goals. And, and now you're also he's also putting up the the NHL's Cy Young numbers, where he's <laughs> 20, 22 and nine nine assists for him, and then that's that's a guy who's had assists and nine assists as a center. That's a weird thing. Yeah, that's a that's a weird weird number yeah. to have as a uh, as a center, especially when you you've had seasons of 32, 34, 31 assists. I mean, those are nice numbers. So. Um, and isn't he uh, playing I, with Connor Garland? Vancouver, you know what? That's one of the teams that I have just not been able to watch a ton of this year. Um, so whenever, gonna... I, whenever I have, I've needed a barf bag. So <laughs> I get, they, they've, they've, I can't believe it how how dreadful they've been. He's playing right now with Rock Besser and Ilya Mikheyev. Okay. So, that that was their that was their last lineup against uh, St. Louis on the nineteenth. Then he played with um, Connor Garland and Curtis Lazar game before that. Then J.T. Miller and Curtis Lazar. Um, then Nils Hoaglander and J.T. Miller. It looks like Vancouver's line situation has been pretty fluid lately. Um, to, to, yeah, let's have Anthony answer this one though, because it's a good question. Yeah, um, I. I think uh, it's a little bit of a, a mixed bag there. Um, you know, I, like for instance, you, you look at you look at some games they play, um, and they look like they're fully acclimated to Lambert's system. But then sometimes I think they get cut, they get stuck in between that that middle ground where they kind of blend the two systems a little bit, and they get caught running around their own ice, like that Blues game, giving up, being loose on your stick uh, through the slot, and being. You know, not not back checking hard enough and leaving guys way open in, in open spaces. Yeah, that um, you know, the thing is, this year Lambert has given the defense more of a green light to to get up in the play and jump up in the play. Um, and I think sometimes they're still working out those kinks of when to go and when not to go. So um, I think as the year goes on, I think they'll be a little more they'll, they'll be a little more smooth in terms of of not having such hiccups. Um, Cause again, the, the game against the coyotes that they lost, like the giving up the chances they did against the coyotes and ultimately losing to them is not something that you normally see with this Islander team. So um, I think there's still an adjustment period, you know, even two months into the season, I, I still think they're kind of working out the kinks, but 
overall, though, you aim with someone who's not really a hockey, you know, um, you know, uh, mega mind, if you will, can see that they play a much up more up tempo system than they did last year under Barry Trotz. Now, before I get to Matt's comment, Phil, because I think I do want to highlight that one in a second, yeah, I, uh, I do have to also mention that the effort. I was trying to find some way to joke around about this, but it really wasn't a joking matter. The effort of Alexander Romanov blocking that shot that he took, that had to go off the cup, guys. If it wasn't off the cup, it was just like in the area that's not protected right there. Like, I mean, I, I said I said to, on the rundown, Anthony took it off, but they shouldn't retire his number for for putting in that much effort. You, you talk, you're talking about the one that then went in the net. It, it went in the, in the net. In the yeah. net. Yeah. yeah. That well that see, now that makes that makes it so much worse. The fact that he still blocked it and it went in <laughs> uh, made him feel all that much more <laughs> worse for sure. Yeah. Cause I mean, have you guys had the unfortunate um uh moment of taking a shot off the cup? Uh a long time ago playing playing ice hockey, I, I I deflected a puck off my sh- off my shaft, no pun intended. That, but actually, then after it hit my shaft, it went, it kind of went under me, and hit me, hit me in the cup. Um, <laughs> Phil, how about you? I had the same exact type of thing happen. So um, there was a guy. I, I it's, it was actually just in a pickup roller hockey game. We weren't really wearing any like equipment or anything like that. Oh, no. And he went to go make a, a pass across. And I went straight at it, stick out straight like that. And it hit hit the blade of my stick, rode up the shaft, and then hit me just straight in the nuts. And I felt like I was going to throw up. That did <laughs> not feel good. I always hung around the front of the net. I emulated Adam Graves with everything I've ever, I ever tried to do. And I took two of them square right off the cup. And in both instances, my adrenaline blocked my pain until either the goalie covered it or the puck went out of the zone. And in both instances, I fell down like I was I was being tortured in Guantanamo Bay. It was just it was the, the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Oof. Like, oh, no way. It was and as a matter of fact, one of my friends referred to my my screams as a walrus mating call. So, (laughs) all right, but Phil, let's highlight Matt's because the first thing I got to say with this and for anybody listening on audio, if the Rangers were to get Patrick Kane, they could, the top nine could look like Kane, Mika, uh, Panarin, Laffy, Kako, and Heedle, and Kreider, Trocek, Kratzoff. Who you, how are you, how are you getting Kane and keeping literally all these players? I mean, that's. Thank you. That's my first guess. Because, I mean, yeah, if, um, if so you're trading so and you're getting Kane, one of the Laf- Lafreniere or Kako or both are gone. Uh, I don't think that's going to be. No, case. not both. One of those you're... guys might be gone, but I, I, I don't think. Let's see how stupid the Rangers get. Or, or going. That's just no. And I, I, I don't think there's going to be a big market for Kane. I really don't. I think the list of teams that he's going to approve a, a trade to is going to be very small. Uh, and I, I think Chicago might not get for, as much for him as they would like to. And it, just because not only that, but the salary cap is really going to make things harder on uh, <laughs> on uh, teams to get this deal done. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, this is a good point. Um, he, he helps – he helps stretch the uh, the depth throughout the lineup. 
But, yeah, but also um, I look at I look at that depth, Filk, and um, that's no depth. All your top line, you're you're creating a super line, and then it's basically hold on to the other lines. I mean, I think Trocheck yes, and moves everybody down. So yeah, I, I think yep. I think the Blackhawks. I think they know that they that they they're not going to get Lafreniere, and they're probably not going to get Kako either. I, I think if they wanted. If they if they could work out a trade, I'm pretty sure the Blackhawks would want Philip Hedel because he's still. I don't young. think they're going to move Hedel. I really and, don't think they're going to move Hedel now. No, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't think they should. I just think that's who Chicago would ask for. Also, for salary purposes too, he makes <laughs> two point. He makes two point three million. Um, the Rangers would need to send a little bit of salary back the other way. So I think he would be the guy that the Blackhawks would have their eyes on. The Blackhawks are targeting one guy in that trade, and I think it's Brennan Ottman. Yeah. I think that's the one that they they really want to target in that trade. I, I really do think that his name is going to be at the top of the uh, the the demand list if they if they are talking trade for Kane. But I I really like this comment here. Right here. Uh, lots of crazy talk right now that GMs are passing passing up on Matt Mitchkov because of uh, the the possible wait until twenty twenty five because of uh, his commitment to his Russian team. I doubt he falls out of the top five. I doubt he. Oh my God! If he does, I, no I, Mitchkov is not going to fall that far. I really don't think so. I think he's just too good of a talent. Um, the only thing I'll say is that Mitchkov just got loaned to HC um, Sochi uh, from SKA because they just couldn't get him ice time in the bottom six. A lot of a lot of teams tend to put younger kids in their bottom sixes in the uh in the khl because they just they won't give them the ice time over the veterans they're really stringent with that there unless you're a wonderkind like ovechkin where after your first year you end up getting the ice time or you know even datsuk after his first year ended up getting it but like um mitchkov was dominating the bhl which is basically like their um their junior level yeah Yeah. and there's just no ice time for him on SKA. So let's see what he does with the Chief Sochi because that's going to be big. Um, even if teams are precautious about his status of coming over, I, I just think he's too good to pass up. I think he's a he's a top three player in this draft by far. I mean, it's obviously him, Bedard, and Fantilli. And really what it's going to come down to for me right now is does Adam Fantilli go number two? Or does he go number three, or, or, uh, you know, behind Mitchkov? And does so it matter if it, the center is because uh, he's a center, right? No, over. He's a center. Yeah, Mitchkov is a uh, winger. Is there a fourth guy emerging right now? There's a few guys in this draft. Like Brandon Yeager might be really good. Um, he could be up there. Uh, Dalibor Dvorsky could be another one. Um, because Gabriel he and I were Carson. talking to, to a couple of really good Chicago fans. And they were saying there's, there could be up to like five. Some writers were saying there there um, could be le- legitimately up to like seven or eight franchise type talents in this draft, and there might be three generational ones at the top. And uh, can I just get us in trouble for a second, guys, and just say sure, that? Yes. Why why isn't Russia being allowed to play in the the World Juniors? And if you're gonna tell me it's the war, did everybody m- m- like? overlooked the Soviet Union for years like what the hell so now now we're just gonna some of these kids who aren't fighting and don't have any political opinion I, 
they're they're being punished for being Russian. What what's that going to do to their to their um uh to their developments to for the re- them for the rest of their lives? It, it, it just I, I I love it when we're holier than now in retrospect. But all right, that's 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 all my rant on that. Yeah, I, I I do feel bad for these kids because they're they're I I don't know what the, their stances are. I, I prefer to keep politics out of sports. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it it, it does kind of suck for these kids because they have nothing to do with it. I mean, a year ago, Matt Mitchkoff was in Edmonton playing games. What changed? What changed about him? All right, but by the way, guys, thoughts on the World Juniors coming up? Uh, Brennan Hoffman absolutely ripped one the other night against uh, Switzerland, and he looks good. Um, he looks really, really good early on. So um, definitely just want to watch and see uh, him. I, actually, I think, does it start tonight or the 23rd? I think it was one of these two. I'm forgetting which I was going to ask Anthony if Roddy was playing. Ratu. I know. Well, I, I get caught sometimes in the middle because sometimes they want to call him Ratty, but I know it's Atu Ratu. Yeah. Stevens coached us. Uh, yeah. Pete saying, looking forward to seeing Nemec. I agree with that. Simone Nemec. Mm, okay. That's an interesting one. I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of talent on display there. Yeah, oh yeah, it's on right now. Actually, Canada and Slovakia are on. Uh, Canada's up one nothing. This is the qualifying of the round robin. Uh, I think this may just be exhibition. exhibition. I'm not sure. Oh, well, Canada's about to go on a power play. I don't know who has the goal for Canada. I'll try to see if I can get scores on this. Uh, AZ has been saying about this. He's been banging the horse about, um, uh, or banging the pipes, however, whatever metaphor you want to use. I think I used some that my grandfather would use, but, uh, about uh, Gergensen's trying to get him for a while. But he also says right here, yeah, I, I like Gergensen's as a depth yeah. player. I do. I think he would be a, a massive improvement over some of the guys in the bottom six. Also, he's saying, my gut here, Drury might go to a, set, uh, a number two option and get a similar deal and a player like he did with Vetrano and slot at right wing second line. And you probably could. I still think the answer is on the team. I think the answer, look, I think they're going to slide Ottman anyway, but I think I think he could be an answer if none of these guys really flourish. So, Yeah, I honestly, I... I like Offman going forward. I just don't know if he's the answer right now. Um, How many times – let me just ask you this. How many times do teams really say we're going to go get – we got this guy in the system. We're going to bring him up for the stretch run in the playoffs. Because other than – let me just name one, Kale McCarr and Chris Kreider. I can't name that many where teams really gave them important minutes. They got some, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I don't. I don't see Offman being that guy this year. It, it just, Offman. Offman's really good. I, I, I really do think that he's 
and he's playing on this top power play unit right now. So he's with Wright and Bedard. I'm trying to see who else is on this unit. That must be a pretty shitty unit with uh, Shane Wright and Connor Bedard on there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really, really bad unit. Oh, terrible. Yeah. You're going to have 50%. <laughs> and and who are you said they're playing Sweden right now? No, uh, Slovakia. Slovakia, okay. I mean, Czechia is really starting to come back as a, as a hockey power again. Um, yeah, they've got some talent. Do we still refer talent. to them as Czechia in the past? What's that? Do we still refer to them as Czechia for when they were the Czech Republic? Uh, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know how that works anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's one of those weird things. But yeah. Who's it? I, I, okay. Again, I don't understand why we're not letting the Russians who literally invaded Afghanistan right before uh, the miracle on ice. And suddenly now they can't play in any international competition. Yeah. Uh, As Warren uh, said, I, I get that. I get that. Bedard doing Bedard things. Yeah. Is and again, it's not a pro war comment. I'm just saying other things in the world happen. Well, it's not a pro-war comment in the sense that it's, you know, you're you're just pointing out that, you know, this has happened before. Why didn't it happen back then? It just the times are changing. It's just, and that's how they think they're gonna. You know, I I just don't think it. I don't think you're doing anything politically by doing this. It's just it's, yeah, you're, you're just hurting kids. I know. Uh, actually, Matt asked this question. I got to throw this one up there. Did uh, did Adam Sakura? Did you see Adam Sakura might be coming over to the WHL? I'm really excited by him. Really good player. Yeah, I mean that that that's good news for the uh, for the Rangers. Um, I, I think they would they would be um, very happy to have him come over and play. Um, I like him playing against men, but. You know, at the same time, he just got into some trouble over there. So I think it's probably best at this point that he just comes over at this point and you know, let him play against you know his own age group, build up his confidence a bit, and then see what happens. Uh, Warren is also saying, by the way, I still refer to them as Czechoslovakia on mistake sometimes. Yes, uh, I do that too, but you know, I show my age with that. Yeah, I mean, somebody yeah, actually guessed how old it was. Like, uh, who? All right, Anthony's got a who says no. Gold Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, and a first round pick for Tage Thompson and Jack Quinn. Who says no? Buffalo, easily. Yeah, easily. I don't, they don't even think about that. And Suzuki's a good player, and Caulfield's turning into a very good goal scorer, but. The Thompson is just not the player you move right now. The uh, only way you're moving Tage Thompson right now is if you're getting a Connor McDavid or a Nathan McKinnon in return. And I don't even think Paul well, – actually, they're around the same age, so, yeah, they probably would do that. Then. And also, I, I'm not sure if you would even do that because you have to pay them. Like Nathan McKinnon is making $12.5 next year. Yeah. 
Connor McDavid is a few years away from probably making somewhere between 13 to 14 million. I, I his his next contract is going to be unreal. Yeah, it's going to be unreal. And you know the value of all these franchises are going up. Like, for instance, and and Tage Thompson, he's just on another stratosphere right now. Um, with how he's playing, he plays both ends of the puck. He he, he he's electric offensively. Um, I'm gonna put up Edmonton Oilers' net worth. So we got right here. The Oilers are worth 1.1 billion dollars. I still can't believe that the Oilers are worth that much. I mean, richest franchise, uh, the 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 most valued franchise is the New York Rangers, obviously, then the Maple Leafs and the Canadians, and then the Blackhawks. Philk, what is at ranked number fifteen? It's the it's the last one that's not ranked over a billion dollars in worth. Who are they? The last NHL franchise. Not ranked over a billion. Not ranked over a billion. Yeah. Uh, so there's 17 franchises that are under a billion. Okay. Um, and I think it's going to surprise you a little bit. Last one that's not a billion. Um, I'm going to say... LA Kings? The Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think it's a little bit surprising because they got the new arena. They got PPG Arena. Well, they got Crosby and Malkin. They really resurrected everything from that fa- that franchise that filed for bankruptcy twice. And, and the next one after that, by the way, number 16, the Vegas Golden Knights. $9.65 billion. 9.65 Sorry, wait. Point nine six five billion. Yeah. Point nine six five billion. Okay, so $965 million then, basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and the lowest uh, valued franchise, Arizona. the Arizona Coyotes, and then the Florida Panthers. Wow. Did he just make that save? Who's in that? Oh, my God. Way? Wow. What a save. Cross-crease cross pass gets through the Canadian player. And the Gosher just makes a oh, it deflected up. Nope, the defenseman made a play on it. Okay, <laughs> who is this in front? Fontek? Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a what a play there! My God. I'm assuming this is Tage Thompson. Two of his five, two of the five goals he scored that night were over a hundred miles an hour on shots. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. That's definitely Tage Thompson. Yeah, because I remember them talking about that on the TNT cast. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, they did a, um, yeah, they did a, they did a, um, a like a comparison of, to like Mario Lemieux, and I, I've, I've seen Lemieux, Lemieux comparisons and whatnot, and just like I, I, I get it, like you don't want to say anything because obviously Lemieux is a friggin' top five player of all time. Yeah, but, that's, um, and it's it's unfair to do that to Tage Thompson. Unfair to Thompson, but like when you look at him 
and the, the, the combination of size, speed, skill, power, just and talent, you, you're you're you you it's pretty easy to get caught up in that comparison. Two nothing Canada. It looks like Brant Clark scored. Brant Clark, what do I know what team he's on? Uh that's LA. Oh, here's the good one. All right. Elias Patterson, Brock Besser, and Quinn Hughes for Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, and Ryan Lingren. Who says no? Oh, uh, the Rangers say no to that. Yeah, I got to agree. The Rangers say no to that one. Yeah, the Rangers definitely say no to that. Um, While you get younger with Patterson and You Besser, don't necessarily get better. I think Mika Zibanejad has really established himself as a top 10 to 15 center in the game right now. Um, I think top 10 is fine. You can say top 10. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I would be hard-pressed to find 10 that are undebatably better than Mika Zibanejad. Um, you, you you look at uh, Quinn Hughes is, is a great young offensive defenseman. They have puck movers already. Brock Besser is, is a big downgrade from Chris Kreider right now, despite mm-hmm. age. And the age gap isn't big enough to justify saying, oh, well, there's so much potential with Brock Besser. Brock Besser's, from what it seems like, his best days are like almost behind him at this point, which is insane to think about, especially that rookie season he had. Yeah, he he for for a while it looked like he was going to be the color winner in his rookie year, and then he got injured, and Matt Barzell just feasted on second line matchups behind um, behind Jonathan Bears. Yeah, I mean, looking at this Forbes list. I think the surprising team, I think the surprising team for me is that Edmonton is so valuable, but you know, but they're, they just got a brand new arena. So that does help. And Washington Capitals, Detroit Red Wings with a new arena, Vancouver Canucks with a new arena. I guess maybe the Amelie Arena is still what, 20 years old, 25 years old? Amelie? Um, I don't, hmm. I mean, they're they're the last one that's a billion. I mean, I'm a little bit shocked Vegas isn't over a billion, but uh, Emily is 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 uh, 96. It was uh, Ice Palace, and then St. Pete Times Forum, and then Tampa Bay Times Forum, but it's the same building from 1996. Yeah, same building that Dino Cicerelli played in. Yep. I mean, but there's there's a lot of sliding in this in this scale for this. Like uh, Minnesota Wild moved down six slots; they could always move back up. Mm-hmm. You know, Energy Center they were at 0.85 billion, and the Predators in Tennessee they, they love that state; they love that team down there, and as well they should. And the Sharks being down ten spots is another one. So I mean, there's a lot of that. But I'm going to stop boring people on that one. So, all right, Phil, you ready to wrap this up? Yeah, um, I, I want to go eat and then you know watch uh, now three nothing Canada, but I want to watch this and put the audio back on. So, yeah, yeah, no, I'd actually I'd like to do some of that as well. Get um, because I gotta go, I gotta do the uploads for this, guys. It is always a pleasure for everybody to be with us. For these, we love we love coming on for it and music can get us on here. 
it again every single week we always try to do as much coverage as we can for you guys i actually got uh a couple videos that i'm in the works on and uh i gotta get the opinions from these guys for help but uh there's there's all the stuff we got going on and again it is christmas time this is my old uh christmas stocking from when i was a kid my mom made it so it's basically the only christmas decoration that i put up uh Philk, what do you got for tomorrow night in the next uh, three days what do you you got any plans for christmas yeah i'm gonna see family what about you uh, unfortunately all mine's out of state i could have i could have possibly seen my my aunt and my cousins but instead i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna just work it so if if you got nothing i'm gonna be at boss croakers starting friday all the way through the new year and, you're gonna be there uh, on except christmas next day. wednesday i got i got uh, wait, wait wait you're gonna be on christmas day yeah christmas day we're open eight to six I'm oh, sorry, 8 to 4, I mean. 8 a.m. Uh, to 4 p.m.? No, 8, no, no, p.m., p.m. 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. That's, that's, well, I, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I've done it for 13 years, so it's all right. All right. And usually it's a good night. All right, everybody, have a great Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, and a great holiday. And who knows, you might be hearing more from us tomorrow night. Rangers, Islanders, geez. It is yeah. going to be. I think that's. I think that's a huge game. That's a four-point game, Phil. Yeah, it is. It. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. And again, Merry Christmas. Let's go, Rangers. <laughs>